minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
לשיר ללא מילים, מי יכול להאזין ללב מלא געגועים? גם הציפור מצא לדרום, כמו שהשיר מזמור, אני לא מאמינה, קוראת בקול גדול. Oh, oh, oh. 
in the AM with Simcha Liner here on a uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Milmala is the name of that one uh, here on a Friday morning. Uh, there we go. Uh, Baruch Levine had a filo achad. Duvadil, brand new with Avas Olam. David Haziza, brand new with Near Code. Mayor Yisrael, brand new with Shira Kayam. Solomon Brothers, brand new with the Nigun. Yoni Z's Bowie B'Shalom. Achas done by Mordechai Shapiro. That's also brand new. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. By the way, Barry Weber is going to join us Monday. Barry Weber calling in Monday morning, 8 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to it. Again, Barry Weber this coming Monday here at JM. I just want to see if there's... Uh, oh, there we go. Okay. Barry Weber, did I say that? Barry, <laughs> Barry Weber, this coming Monday here at JM and the AM. It'll be a new music alert Monday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. Welcome to a Friday era of Shabbos. It's the 24th of June, day 25 in the month of Sivan, the year 5782, Tufshin Pei Bays. Today is Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. I know in Israel they're reading Korach. I get it. But in the diaspora, it is Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. In fact, if you missed Rabbi Fass on this whole topic yesterday, check out the archive at NachumSiegel.com and, of course, on the NSN app. Uh, well, Ben Trosh Chodesh, uh, candle lighting for Shabbos in New York, at least, is 8-11. Candle lighting in New York is 8-11, 8-11. Well, Ben Trosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday, all right? Wednesday and Thursday, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, and, uh, right, Yom Kippur Cutting is Tuesday, and, yeah. And a week from today, I guess we'll be going into a holiday weekend in this country. Yeah, wow. Boy, oh, boy. Lots going on, huh? Lots going on. Um... Weather looks pretty good for the weekend, I must say. We've got, uh, let's see here. We've got a high today of 83. What's the temperature right now in Teaneck? 62 degrees here at our makeshift studio in Teaneck, New Jersey, where yesterday I met a whole bunch of people here. Uh, I saw some people yesterday I've not seen in God knows how long. Uh, you walk the streets of Teaneck, New Jersey for a couple of minutes. You're discovering a lot of folks. I want to take this opportunity, in fact, to wish David Greenberg and his entire family a mazel tov on last night's wedding. I saw him yesterday. I said to him, boy, it's nice to see you, especially this time of year around the start of summer camp. Uh, and he told me that uh, they were making a wedding last night. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. I had an opportunity to wish him a mazel tov. Uh, cloudy this morning, partly cloudy this afternoon, a high of 83. Mostly clear tonight for Friday night, low 64. Mostly sunny tomorrow, a high of 89 degrees. Wow, and mostly sunny Sunday. Baruch Hashem, Sunday, the first day of staff orientation up at Camp Misora. And they're expecting good weather. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 87 here in Teaneck, 62. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora enjoying 55 degrees as they're waking up. Lots of upper staff are there up in Guilford getting ready for the summer of 2022. Uh, so a big shout-out to Camp Masora. Big shout-out, really, to all the summer camps out there. 
who are tuned into JM and the AM starting their morning, even if they're hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where uh, our home base is, they're still able to just press a button on an app and tune in anywhere around the world. Pretty cool feeling. With that in mind, I want to give a special shout-out to B and Ralph Rosenbaum. They're spending their uh, final Shabbat of this trip in Jerusalem. Uh, I think they're in Jerusalem for Shabbos, so we wish them the very best. They'll probably let us know on the app where they're spending their Shabbat. And, uh, yeah, i got to get ready for... uh, Ralph's seventy, excuse me, Ralph's milestone birthday celebration, which um, I'm committed to do uh, during a lunch session at Giddy's down in East Brunswick, New Jersey. That's my intention. That's how I'm going to. Uh, that's how I'm going to celebrate with Ralph, <laughs> getting a variety of uh, pizza samples from Giddy's who really know how to uh, make a variety of pizzas, that I can tell you. Yeah, they're really good at it. They are really good at it. Anyway, so a a special hello and a special Shabbat Shalom to B and uh, Chairman Ralph. Oh, by the way, Chairman Ralph, uh, you're probably curious. uh, Was Nahum there last night when uh, Aaron Hicks hit the three-run home run and Aaron Judge won the game in the bottom of the ninth inning? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, and I had some amazing company, and it was incredible being in Yankee Stadium for the first time in a long time. I don't know the last time I was there even. And what a game. If you're a Yankee fan, what a game. Uh, one of those classics. I said to my boys, probably one of the top five games I've been to uh, in my entire life. That's how incredible a game it was. So, Baruch Hashem, we had an opportunity to chill out, as they say, up in the Bronx. More coming up. You're listening to a uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos edition of JM the AM. Zusha is next, coming up at about an hour from now. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. Harry Rothenberg is going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour, about Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. Plenty about Parsha Shlach, no doubt. And, of course, we're going to keep going until 9 o'clock. At 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Mark Zamek presents the Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, with a, a little bit of an emphasis on the Cantor Yassela Rosenblatt, whose yard site is today. And uh, that's all coming up on a Friday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Don't forget our weekend programming, including Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler tomorrow night with Saturday Night Siegel, including Matis Sunday morning with JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. All happening right here on NSN. Zusha on JM and the AM. Oh
time not long ago I'm not too proud to say When I resented the good fortune of my friends How I wish I could take back the envy and the pain As it brought me less than nothing in the end But I've cast aside that burden I'm happy and I'm free Growing up taught me a thing or two Now I go around with my guitar And sing for all to hear The grass is mighty green on my side too
ילדים טובים אלה, מתוקים כאלה, ועל כל הקשיים שמתנגשים בדרך, מתנפצים כמו סרט, ועל כל השירים שנכתבים במלחמות, הם אותם הדברים שנותנים את הכוחות. וכשהכל מסתדר, ויבוא גם השלום עלינו, אם הניסים החקר, נחיה ביחד עד הסוף.
Joey Newcomb, that's right, he's out with a brand new album. Got to get him on the air as well. My gosh, there's so many new music alerts we've got to do. I know we've got to get Barry Weber on. We've got to get Joey Newcomb on. And Well, Barry's going to be on on Monday, please God. And there was somebody else who... Oh, and Chalchelis Jr., i got to find out if uh, Yitz Rosenthal is willing to speak about the brand new album on the air. It's also a great brand new offering here at the JM in the AM. Uh, before the uh, Joey Newcomb selection, Tali Yes with... Uh, L'chai Olamim, Kisha HaKol, done by Barrio, Danny Palgon had Shifty, Baruch Hashem, done by Journeys, and Zusha had uh, 
a Kos Yeshuos brand new here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, any beloved NSN Galit's on the background. Malcolm Honline in hour number two. Harry Rothenberg in hour number two. Rabbi Yudin in hour number three. Mark Zamek, Erev Shabbos show coming up. Mark will be on between um, starting at 10 a.m. with the Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, Rami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Siegel, Matis with JM Sunday, Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's uh, JM Sunday Live. That's right, JM Sunday Live. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I know, believe me. It's amazing what Matis does every single Sunday. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים באולפן ערן קורץ עם מה שקורה עכשיו. נציבות האו"ם לזכויות אדם קוראת לישראל לפתוח בחקירה פלילית לגבי מותה של עיתונאית אלג'זירה שירין אבו עקלה. בארגון מדגישים כי על פי הממצאים העיתונאית נהרגה מירי צהל. כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין מזכיר כי הבוקר קראה קבוצה של 24 סנטורים אמריקנים לנשיא ג'ו ביידן להבטיח מעורבות ישירה של ארצות הברית בחקירת מותה של אבו עקלה. כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש מוסיף כי בצה"ל שבים ומדגישים כי העיתונאית לא נורתה במכוון בשום פנים ואופן וכי על פי התחקיר הצה"לי לא ניתן לקבוע אם נהרגה מירי חמושים פלסטינים או על ידי לוחם צה"ל בשוגג. בשבוע שעבר הורה הרמטכ"ל כוכבי להרחיב את צוות התחקיר בנושא. שר האוצר אביגדור ליברמן צייץ בחשבון הטוויטר שלו בתגובה אני לא יודע על, איזה, על בסיס איזה תחקירים נציבות זכויות האדם של האו"ם קבעה שעיתונאית אלג'זירה נהרגה מירי צה"ל, אבל מדובר בקביעה נבזית שלא יכולה להיות מקובלת עלינו. טרגדיה בצפון, נקבע מותה של מטיילת שנפלה מגובה רב בנחל עמוד. כתבנו בצפון הדר גיציס מוסר כי האישה בשנות ה-60 לחייה נפלה מגובה של שמונה מטרים במקום בו אין גישה לרכב ולכן הוזנקו למקום מסוק של צה"ל וצוותי חילוץ. הצוותים הגיעו אליה אך נאלצו לקבוע את מותה במקום. מלך ירדן עבדאללה תומך בהקמת ברית נאטו אזורית למזרח התיכון. המלך אמר בריאיון לפנות בוקר לרשת CNBC האמריקנית כי יש צורך בהקמת ברית אזורית כזו על מנת להתמודד עם האתגרים הביטחוניים ובראשם איראן. ובתוך כך במצרים מדווחים כי האמיר של קטאר תמים בן חמד הנחת היום בקהיר כאורחו של הנשיא עבד אל פתאח א-סיסי. כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי מזכיר שבן קהיר לדוחה שוררת איבה ארוכת שנים על רקע תמיכת קטאר באחים המוסלמים. בשנה האחרונה ביצעו הקטרים מהלכי התקרבות כלפי מצרים, בהם גירוש אנשי האחים משטחם וסגירת כלי תקשורת המטיפים נגד סיסי. לפי הערכות יזמה קטאר צעדים אלה כדי להשיג אווירה נוחה לקראת משחקי גביע העולם שיערכו בשטחה. ביום ראשון נשבתו בתי המרקחת של קופת חולים כללית בעקבות האלימות כלפי הצוותים הרפואיים. כתבתנו לענייני בריאות טל אור מאירסון מעדכנת שאתמול הותקפה מנהלת בית מרקחת של כללית בפתח תקווה בידי אחד המטופלים ונאלצה להתפנות באמבולנס לבית חולים שם גיבסו את ידה. השביתה תארך יום אחד ותתקיים בבתי המרקחת של כללית בכל רחבי הארץ. מחאת הדיור, מארגני הפגנת הדיור הגדולה מתקשים למצוא מימון להפגנה שתיערך בשבוע הבא וכעת פתחו במסע גיוס המונים על מנת לאפשר את קיומה במוצאי שבת הבאה. אחד המארגנים אמר בשיחה עם כתבתנו עינב קרנר שהמימון מיועד לציוד ואמצעי...
תאורה והגברה. עד כה נרשמו כ-22 אלף ישראלים להפגנה. תחזית מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות וחם מהרגיל העונה בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות. There are times when we are forced to go above and beyond to get involved for our communities, our families, and our future. If you see what's happening in New York, you know these are those times. New York needs leadership that puts public safety and common sense policies at the forefront. We are fortunate to have that leader in Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz. In the New York State Assembly, he has fought for middle-class tax cuts, been an advocate for safe neighborhoods, and secured funding for our communities and nonprofits. Assemblyman Dinowitz has also been an outspoken voice against the rising anti-Semitic rhetoric in our politics. That's why it's crucial that our community comes out to vote for Assemblyman Dinowitz this election day. His socialist opponent has promised to defund the police, wants to raise taxes, and has aligned with anti-Semitic movements. This June 28th, let's ensure our community votes as one voice. We can't afford any less. Vote Jeffrey Dinowitz for the New York State Assembly. Paid for and authorized by Common Sense New Yorkers, Jeff Leb, Treasurer. Communication was not expressly authorized or requested by any candidate or by any candidate's political committee or any of its agents.
11 a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for tuning in. Well, last night I um, heard the news of the passing of Rabbi Chaim Wasserman. And uh, first of all, in addition to so many of his uh, children and family members um, being friends of ours and associates of ours for so long, so many decades, um, and, and of course, we extend our condolences to the entire family, the entire immediate family and extended family. The Wassermans are an amazing family. Um, but, but in addition to that, another reason why I was saddened to hear of the passing of Rabbi Chaim Wasserman is that, uh, over the span of my career, I don't know if there was anybody who encouraged me, uh, more than him when it came to speaking out on issues having to do with, um, with Jewish practice and with Eretz Israel. And this is something that I will always remember about Rabbi Chaim Wasserman. I remember early on, I, I should speak to Matas about this, because I'm sure he remembers early on, he was uh, so enthusiastic about what we were doing at the radio station and with JM and the AM. And that always continued, and, and he always gave us uh, accolades and brachot. And I was really proud that um, he realized early on that what we had was uh, was something very special and unique and worthwhile. So I am going to um, announce, inform, for those of you who don't know, that Rabbi Chaim Wasserman, longtime rabbi of the Young Israel of Pesei Clifton, uh, has passed away, and he will be sorely missed. And our condolences, of course, to uh, everybody, his children and family and everybody. Um, there was a whole community of people, really a worldwide community of people at this point, who, um, who uh, considered him and had him as their rabbi, as their Asra, as their leader. So our condolences to everybody, and a special mention again of the uh, incredible pride that he took in what we've done here uh, at this radio broadcast. And um, he was always there with a kind word, an encouraging word, and uh, making sure that we knew that we were always on the right path in terms of what we were doing on the air. And I will never forget that. JM and the AM, more coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos edition of JM and the AM with Simcha Liner. Here I come.
JM in the AM. Home done by Simcha Liner here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Mentioned the uh, passing of Rabbi uh, Chaim Wasserman, and I just posted on Facebook how uh, sad we are to hear the news, and I also posted how he never stopped encouraging us here at JMNAM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Took great pride in what we've done over all these years, and um, for that I will, for that and many other reasons, I will never forget him. Our condolences to the entire family. As I said, his uh, his children and family have been uh, close friends and associates of ours for a very long time, and we will remember him with tremendous fondness and with great appreciation. More coming up Friday morning, JM in the AM. Uh, Harry Rothenberg has uh, his discussion regarding uh, Parsha Schlach. Every Friday at this time, we get an opportunity to check out what he has to tell us about the week's Parsha. Harry Rothenberg on Parsha Schlach, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. I heard a lesson I'm about to share with you about 30 years ago, and it stopped me in my tracks, caused me to immediately change my perspective and my habits on a certain issue. The spies are sent to go check out the promised land, and they return. Ten of them bring back a bad report, and their fellow Jews believe that report. And as a result, they get punished. They have to wander in the wilderness for another 40 years instead of going directly into Israel. If you look carefully, you'll see that the spies did not come back empty-handed from their mission. They brought back souvenirs, some giant grapes, and a big fig, and a pomegranate. But those are only three of the seven species for which Israel is known. They did not bring back wheat. They didn't bring back barley. They didn't bring back olives, for example. Why? Because figs and pomegranates and grapes are dessert foods. Whereas if you have wheat and you have barley and you take olives and you press them into oil, now you can cook a meal. You've got a main course. So they were intentionally trying to suggest to their fellow Jews, Israel, great desserts, great place to visit, but no main course. You could never live there. And so the episode of the spies wasn't just a historical one-off from thousands of years ago. It's a lesson for us today. And it's a particularly important one today with many people planning to head to Israel now that the pandemic hopefully is over or waning and there are no more masks needed on planes. If you go to visit and you come back, even though you had a wonderful trip, but you have some complaints, and you complain about anything, the weather or the traffic or the people or the bureaucracy, any possible complaint, you may unwittingly, unintentionally repeat the sin of the spies by convincing someone who's thinking about Aliyah, you know what, it is too difficult and I don't want to have to deal with that issue or that problem. So we have to be very, very careful. Ever since I heard that explanation, I have tried to be not perfect, but I've tried to be very careful not to say anything negative about the land of Israel. But it's not enough to just zip our lips and not say anything negative. We have to be active. The Talmud tells us about Rabbi Abba, who would kiss the stones of Israel to show his love for the land. And about Rabbi Hanina, who would remove or fix obstacles in the roadways. He didn't want the roadways to get a bad reputation. And about Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, when they would study together outdoors, if it was summertime and it was hot, they would go into the shade. And if it was winter and it was chilly, cold, they'd go into the sun because they wanted to make sure that no one would have any complaints, even they themselves wouldn't have any complaints about the weather. We have to be vigorous defenders of the land, showing our love, never saying anything negative, always saying things that are positive, making sure that people know Israel, 
It is a great place to visit, but it's also a great place to live.
תלך בארץ, התהלך בארץ הקדושה. קום והתהלך בארץ הקדושה, בארץ השן הרקע. קום, קום, קום והתהלך בארץ, התהלך בארץ הקדושה. קום והתהלך בארץ הקדושה, בארץ השן הרקע.
move across the vast horizon A billion stars, each going their own way What is it that decides Just when they brighten and then darken It's a question man has pondered to this day can try to explain every pattern of the path they chart only the hands of their maker have held them from the start so I sing to you you understand what's in my heart you have a plan for every star so
Morning, Erev Shabbos. 8-11 is candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Here in New York, it's 8-11 for candle lighting. Benny Friedman, before that with Oda Lakel. You heard Mordechai Shapiro, Tamid Yeshiba. Benny had Yama and Yaakov Shweki's Hasidish set was in there as well from the brand new Elevate album at JM in the AM. Barry Weber, our guest, is coming Monday. New Music Alert Monday. Barry Weber, our guest, in the 8 o'clock hour this coming Monday right here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in for that as we continue to get into uh the brand new um the brand new jewish music out there and there's a lot of it as many of you have pointed out <laughs> there is a lot of it that's for sure uh we note with sadness the passing of rabbi chaim wasserman uh longtime rabbi the young israel passe clifton our condolences to the entire family as i said earlier we've we have built friendships and relationships with so many members of the wasserman family over the years so our condolences to all and uh, as I said earlier, Rabbi Wasserman was one of those uh, community leaders and uh, Jewish leaders that uh, took tremendous pride early on in what we were doing at JM and the AM and what became the Nahum Siegel Network. Never stopped 
never stopped encouraging us enthusiastically, and I, I wanted to point that out as we send our condolences to his family, to his congregants, to his students, and all those who knew him. It meant a lot to us over the years. And again, I, uh, send, we send our condolences to the entire Wasserman family. J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning. Don't forget our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com. Thousands of articles that you can print out before Shabbos and uh, become more and more educated about what's happening in this amazing world of ours. JewishWorldReview.com. Check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at J.M. and the A.M. Mr. Honline, welcome back to J.M. and the A.M. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Appreciate that very much. Well, I, I know that earlier in the week we were telling everybody that Election Day in Israel will be the October the 25th. Then I saw last night that it might actually be November the 1st. What do you Before we talk about how we got to this point, what do you know practically about when this new election will take place? Well, we'll know soon. Uh, there were, both dates have been put forward. October 25th emerged after November 1st because you need three months uh, minimum. And with the Yom Tovim coming, so in order to have the campaigns and do everything, they usually uh, give it a little bit more time. It, it still has, it only passed the first reading. It still has to pass three more readings in the Knesset, but it also has to go to two committees. And uh, Orbach, who chairs one of the committees, has held it up until Monday um, because he was waiting to see if an alternative government could be formed. And the um, so that you have the two the three readings, at which they will pass, it passed, I think, 110 to zero this time. Huh. Uh, and um, but but those numbers will may change as we move along, but not radically. And the process uh, to dissolve could take another week, ten days, two weeks, and then they will um, uh, set the date for the election. Isn't it interesting? And before we talk about how we got to this point, I I find it, and some may argue <laughs> that just by the law of averages, you're going to end up with elections almost every single uh, month of the year. But I find it interesting when the Israeli elections uh, turn out to be around the same time as the USA elections, and I always wonder uh, if if one has an influence on the other. Would it be any different if this election was happening in March or April as opposed to a week away from the midterm elections in America? I don't think that it has any impact. Either has an impact on the other. Uh, I think if, if you know the people, if it's presidential elections, you might say it might have more of an impact. But I don't think people link with congressional and the local elections. There's a rumor that Naftali Bennett is uh, considering actually leaving the world of Israeli politics or taking a break from it uh, once all this comes down. Do you think there's anything to that? I, I do. As you know, he sold his high-tech business, so he, I think financially he he's okay. I think he, he, he like many others, have uh, seen that people often step back for a little while and come back to greater acclaim. You know, obviously his, his, uh, the reviews of, his, pre- of his, his prime ministership vary greatly, but his core constituency is no longer with him, and the likelihood is his party, if he ran, would, would not even pass the threshold but unless he merged with another or did something else. And after you're prime minister, it's very hard to be back, to go back to the benches from the Knesset. So I think he's, he's looking at this and maybe we'll become, come back as president one day or something else. Uh, But 
Um, you know, for that, you need a lot of backing in the Knesset. Right now, I think, uh, you know, if he has a timeout, as they say, it, it probably would be good for him and maybe, you know, for his family. It's very stressful being prime minister, even for a year, and being in politics for many years as he, as he has been. So I think there are a lot of things that go into the consideration, but he did it gracefully and turning it over to Lapid, who will now have, and by the way, he was the shortest serving prime minister in Israel's history by this. Um, mm-hmm. Now Lapid will get until November 1st, which could make him the shortest serving prime minister, but we, but uh, he's going to be running and his, he's gained seats in his party. Uh, so it will be very interesting to see it. And much of it really uh, uh, revolves around what Netanyahu does. Does he lead the Likud? Does the Likud split? Do, do, do others come back to the Likud if Bibi leaves? A lot of um, moving parts. And we got to this point because the very, very thin, uh, I don't want to say margin even, because the truth is they didn't have a margin, but the, but the, uh, uh, the, um, the very slight uh, way in which the government was holding together simply came apart. It, it, was just, it was just not possible for it to stay together anymore. And the yes, and each issue became more contentious. And when you have that with the uh, departure of several people from Yamina, and also you saw in his own, in his office, in Bennett's office, uh, one by one, key people were leaving over the last few months. Uh, and I think um, <laughs> the most recent being Bennett himself. So he, it, it's it's um, it's I think a combination of factors for them about when. Uh, to make the decision, it's a courageous decision. It's not easy to do. You could, he could have continued to float like this, but neither side had a majority. So Bibi, even by the current numbers, the coalition around Netanyahu and Likud would, would still only make it to 60, and you need at least 61 to really be uh, governing. And 61 means that everybody has you over a barrel for pressure because they can constantly threaten to, to leave. The Netanyahu factor is is confusing to many of us because some of us are under the impression that as he goes through all these uh, trials, literally, and tribulations legally in Israel, that he wouldn't be able to run for prime minister. Uh, but it seems that that's not the case. It seems that even while he's sitting in court, he could still campaign and possibly win. Yes, he can, unless he's convicted. Right. But now, you know, they were talking about having uh, a law, right. and several people wanted to rush it through before the Knesset dissolves. But Bennett, I have to say to his credit, again, um, this announced that he would not support this legislation. He would not vote for the legislation. About somebody uh, who's on trial running for prime minister? Well, no, somebody who's indicted, I think, right. is, right. is, uh, is the term. I'm pretty right. sure. Right. I'm pretty sure. And... Um, uh, but he has not been convicted, and so far some of the trials seem not to be going very far. That uh, some of the, the witnesses, the key witnesses against him, uh, did not give the dyn- dynamite to the uh, court and to the case against him. So it is possible he can beat these cases, even though you know there are several. The Samreen case, I think, is still or Bezek is still the, the are still the two that people are watching most closely here's the here's the quote the law would bar criminal defendants from becoming prime minister so yeah, yeah but the definition of what makes a criminal defendant i think is it, it, to, to cover him now is indictment right if he's convicted that's already covered by the law 
Right, understood. You know, it's funny because, and, and, and in Jewish life, we've seen this in the past as you go through things historically that, you know, when the Hamonam, when the general public in the Jewish world gains a certain acumen or gains a certain uh, ability to uh, do things, uh, I don't want to say on their own, but, you know, more independently, let's put it that way. Um, you know, so the, the religious leadership changes. You know, the, the role of the religious leader changes. You know, if an uneducated community, you're going to have, have a certain role. If you have a very educated community, you're going to have a certain role. Now, I, I know that this sounds ridiculous, but but you look at what's happened over the last few years, and Israel is thriving. I mean, it's unbelievable as we keep reading, seeing, and uh, experiencing, uh, even through COVID, the high-tech industry and the way the entire world is uh, attracted to what Israel is doing and wants a piece of what Israel is doing. And at the same time, it seems over the last two, three years, you know, every few months, the leadership uh, in the Knesset, the leadership in, in Jerusalem falls apart. So do you ever, you ever ask yourself, does Israel really need a prime minister when they're doing so well outside of the world of government very often <laughs> and, and, and not just prime minister you needed a government because uh, it seems they would do well but also you know that this government once the knesset is dissolved is the most powerful government israel can have because they, they make decisions and they're not dependent on the um uh knesset to approve it so they can actually take measures uh, with greater freedom than they can when the regular government processes and, and obtains. Yeah, you described that last week sort of as like a, as an executive order type situation, and that's that's really I don't know if it's scary or you know or finally they're going to get something done or you know we'll see what ha- I guess we'll see what happens. I, I haven't read anything about plans for that period of time in terms of trying to push different things through, but I guess uh, we'll only know once Lapid becomes prime minister and that interim government displays a drop of stability. Uh, which I assume will be a week or two from now, right? I would have to assume, right? That that's when that's when he'll take over yeah. officially. I mean, they still can't pass legislation, but they can um, do a lot in administrative ways, right? And um, I, I, I just the last question on this is: it is it a shock that Netanyahu would get even what the polls are suggesting he would get? Because I understand that you know he's not going to be able to establish a, a big number in terms of Likud mandates if he would run, but just the fact that the polls are indicating that he would be in the game, just the fact that he has a real shot to actually become prime minister again is 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 remarkable when you think of the media battles against him and obviously now the legal battles against him. Look, they've been dragging on so long. I think people lose interest. People begin to... But they're willing to know. vote for him? He's still considered, the when they ask who's the best leader, that he emerges as the best. And, you know, I guess that's a statement about the competition on right. one hand. So this is the best been, thing that happened to him, was that Bennett became prime minister. <laughs> well, maybe, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he'd agree with that. Uh, but, I mean, he's obviously enjoying the fact that the government fell after a year and right. puts him back in the catbird seat. What's Zelensky's strategy when he demands publicly that Israel has to uh, join in the international sanctions against Russia? Yeah, it's really uh, quite interesting of the outsized role and responsibility that he places upon Israel, which has responded so generously yeah. and and not to take into any account Israel's particular needs and, and own security uh, positions considering the fact that Israel was amongst the first to respond with aid in very disproportionate ways in in being supportive. Uh, he says that they haven't joined the sanctions uh, sufficiently, although 
I think that they have done taken steps in it this way as well. But they did send, uh, uh, you know, helmets and and uh, bulletproof vests and other equipment. They asked for the Iron Dome. Israel generally doesn't export it, to, and you need at least a year or more to train people on it. And it's not really meant for the missiles that R- Russia is firing at at Israel. And the um, and they asked for certain other equipment from from Israel. I mean, Israel is a small country. It's still, mm-hmm. It still it needs to buy what it buys for its own defense. It's facing challenges on Israel's north. There's a huge American-Israeli uh, exercise going on that's focused on on a war in Israel's north. Now it's for both sides to to adapt to their own needs, but it's it's very large uh, exercise that that is going on right now. And uh, Israel faces the, you know, the Iranian challenge on many fronts and has Russia sitting in Syria. And if he doesn't understand that, I mean, it's it's a shame because he's asking Israel to put its own security at risk because Russia already started taking measures, as you saw, after the attack on the airport in Damascus. Uh, they The Russia's threatened and, and took certain measures. Uh, Israel can't afford to lose its freedom of action in Syria against the Iranians and against Hezbollah and the movement of weapons and stuff. So it's a complex picture for Israel. I think Israelis responded, and Israel generously, financially, and in other ways. Uh, They voted in the United Nations against Russia, which obviously got the Russians very angry at them. So uh, I think he, you know, the demands are really quite strange because I don't hear the same demands being made ah, of other countries. I was just going to ask and you that. half the countries in the world that don't even support haven't come out in any support for them. I was just going to ask you that if he's calling out other countries, and based on what you're saying, he has not. Very interesting uh, that he's targeting Israel on that. Um, the Iranians are are in fact holding three. Mossad agents, or they are, or Israel has not acknowledged that they are agents, and that and and they are the ones who are claiming that they're going to be tri- detained and tried as agents. I I I don't. You know, they make claims all the time because, for instance, the arrests in Turkey of Iranians who were plotting against uh, Israeli diplomat and his wife who were visiting against Israeli tourists and others. And to to counter that and to also to show their own people that they have been effective after the internal attacks, the fact that Israel continues to operate with impunity, even in Tehran, interrogating people in Tehran, taking steps against some of the facilities in Tehran. So they arrest, but they're not necessarily they're not arresting Israelis, they're arresting others whom they claim uh, were working for. Uh, Mossad, this is a common tactic, not just in Iran, but in other places as well. And I think, uh, you know, people should take with a grain of salt. Is it possible that they trace somebody who may have helped or assisted in some of the operations? It's always possible. Now I get it. I assume I went with the report that they were likely were Israelis, but now I understand that they, they have to pin somebody. They have to pin something on somebody. They're going to accuse them of being a, a cooperative spy with Israel. Right, and you know that they're shifted. They've shifted now the responsibility. It's a story that got almost no coverage, but the you know the internal demonstrations, by the way, are continuing in in very big scale, and yet get no mention here. But they also reshifted the focus of the Quds forces to domestic and regional challenges instead of just for their foreign uh, aspirations um, and the demonstrations. 
lately inside the country, uh, defying and th- that the members of the Quds Force were defying their commander's orders and didn't crack down hard on the demonstrators, and they're suffering from economic conditions as well. Uh, the the, um, the regime stopped giving them special economic grants, and we see that the the um, that Reisi, the president, has come under fire even from his own radical camp. Uh, as is the supreme leader, and the demonstrations become more vocal about death to the supreme leader, which is, is you know, a very courageous thing to do. And we right. see this shift amongst the Basiji. This is important because people, you know, read about it as as you noted, and they buy the the headline, but they don't know the story of what's what's really behind, uh, you know, what, what's really the truth of what's going on. The, the immense number of demonstrations. The teachers are on strike. Their salaries are down to like two hundred thirty dollars a month. And the people don't have food to eat. And at the same time, they're escalating the, the enrichment at Fordo, and which, which is not supposed to have any enrichment, as well as at Natanz. They're putting in the IR6s, high-level centrifuges, and uh, advancing all the time, both their ability to enrich the capacity and the stockpiling. Uh, and at the same time, now they're saying they're they're ready to go back to the table in in Vienna and blame the United States for the failure. Are any members of Congress taking up this cause? Are, are is anybody you know is anybody acknowledging the role that the demonstrators, the protesters are having, and 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 you know what kind of sacrifice they're making, how courageous they are in all of this? Usually, there's somebody. Almost none. Usually, Almost somebody. None. Yeah. That, you know, I got the F of the CIO to come out for the the truck drivers um, two years ago. But but where are all the unions? Where are all the people who who, progress, who are progressive and stand for human rights? And here you have people um, literally fighting for their lives and and t- risking their lives to do um, to do what they do. And uh, and yet there's hardly any resonance. And there are great opportunities if they were to take advantage of the opportunity. This is the way to impact the government of the, of, of Iran. It's not. Uh, we wouldn't have to go to war to stop them. We can stop them from the, the pressure from from the inside. And you see that they're continuing um, work with, with Hezbollah, with, with Hamas, with all the terrorist operations. Uh, they, um, you know, they have not diminished any of those activities uh, at all. And they are, of course, get uh, angry and, and uh, try to escalate some of their activities, as they are doing with American shipping, by the way, in the Gulf, where they're harassing those little speedboats, harassing American ships, coming very close to a, an accident um, uh, this week. And, and in, in addition, engaging in piracy like they did against the Greek ships. Uh, you know, the, the foreign minister of Russia was there, Lavrov, and um, supposedly about the Vienna conference. Um, but he said that they, you know, he urged them to stand the line and to hold the line. So there's so much that's going on, and the 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 not only members of Congress, administration, others, they're not looking. They're not looking at their role in South America, where they're expanding all the time. And now with the loss in Colombia, which we talked about, and I said what happened, and now Bolsonaro in danger, we virtually have no pro-American uh, or neutral. Governments left there. Panama is one. Uh, Paraguay, Uruguay, but Chile, uh, all of the rest, and and nobody worries that Iran is building this infrastructure two hours from our coast in Miami. Yeah. 
crazy situation. Nobody's paying attention to it. Um, did you see the New York Times had an? Ind- I, I assume it was an independent investigation into the killing of Shirin Abu Alde. Um, am I right that they that they had it was an ind- New York Times and neutral do not go together? Well. No, but it, they, I, I thought it was an independent investigation. Like they actually went ahead. New York and- Times and independent don't go through. <laughs> I was wondering what you made of that because you know the, I it's, I don't know if they directly said it, but based on the article, they were certainly very confident that it came from an Israeli military source. Everybody's leaning that direction. UN came out with a report today about it. Um, you know, supposedly Al Jazeera had the bullet and showed it, but they didn't show it to the Israelis. They have not been able to do forensics on it. Uh, Israel has not ruled out that it could have been a soldier, but what they did rule out that it was deliberate. It was not. It was a, it's a fire zone. And as uh, we've talked before, you know, in the last few years, thousands of journalists have been killed yeah. in, in, in action, and nobody cares and nobody, you know, calls for these kind of investigations. And this one, it, it, she was she was there and, and put herself in harm's way. It's unfortunate. Journalists should not be killed, and uh, Israel's expressed regret over her, her death. And, and But most of all, it was not deliberate. If it happened, it, you know, this is something that should be acknowledged. And if, it, if the PA had cooperated with Israel, there would have been a full investigation and a determination. Why is it so important to Saudi Arabia to mend its uh, rift uh, with Turkey? Well, it's important for both. Uh, first of all, the, the economic conditions in Turkey are really terrible, and they want to get Aiden build business with it. Second, he wants to break out of his isolation, the meaning Erdogan. Uh, the same thing is true of MBS, and he's doing now a tour. He was in Jordan, I think in Egypt, and Turkey. Uh, this is in advance of the president's visit. And I think it's, it's uh, after the period of isolation that followed the Khashoggi killings, uh, killing and the um, you know the sanctions that people uh, invoked on Saudi Arabia, and their people are critical of the president for going for that. But Saudi Arabia is very critical to us now in the energy field and other regard. Uh, they are trying to uh, develop their own regional uh, security operations. By the way, in which Israel is part, uh, they're both maritime, and they're talking about. Um, and, you know, in terms of rockets, uh, anti-rocket and uh, missile defense, other things that um, Benny Gantz, the Minister of Defense, spoke about. Others spoke this week. There, there are uh, the regional exercises, as they did in the, the Gulf, very important because more and more countries became part of it with Israel, too. So he's, I think that, that Saudi Arabia is looking to expand its ties, its trade, they, they are, he's trying to rebuild the economy that it not be just based on fossil fuels and oil and gas, but be uh, broader and spe- specifically wants Israeli high tech, but has not yet made the, the movement. I, I, I'm not sure that you're going to see diplomatic relations. You may see the overflights granted to Israeli planes going to the Far East, not just those going to the UAE and Bahrain like as now. And I think you, you could see other steps towards and normalization of the relationship, but it will it will take time. And it's it, you know the king is not as enthusiastic I think as MBS is uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the son, uh, who really in effect is running the country and will meet with um, with the president as well. So the uh, the the president's trip to the Middle East is still on. It's going to happen in uh, mid July. And what we didn't uh, ask you. 
Um, now that this is uh, inevitable and imminent, the change in prime ministership, does it matter? Does it matter that he may visit Israel and there'll be either a different or, I don't want to say no prime minister, that's ridiculous, but, but that Israel will be going through this interim stage? I think I have to say, of course, it makes a difference if you have a stable government and you're not facing an election. But I think he will say our relationship's not based upon what political party or individuals in power. Uh, the report I've seen lately is that he will meet Netanyahu as well. Oh, wow. They know each other for 40 years. Uh, they've had up-and-down relationship, you know, in the last time when he visited, when Netanyahu was prime minister uh, and was vice president, they had the announcement made about some settlement expansion, and right. Biden was very insulted, and, but they worked to, to uh, overcome it, and of course, Netanyahu's speech in the in the Congress, um, but uh, the word is that, or the inclination is, as of now that I've heard, is that he will meet with him, I'm sure he'll meet Bennett and Lapid and Benny Gantz, he'll also go to Ramallah, uh, there was also reports he'd visit uh, the hospital, in the Arab hospital in, in Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, um, they have to be very sensitive about any measures or things that start raising the issues. I don't think he's going to announce opening the consulate. He may announce an upgrade in the uh, position of the person who's the special envoy to the Palestinians operating out of the American embassy in Jerusalem. But there's a lot of opposition to that as well. So uh, I think, you know, the purpose of the visit to show that the U.S. is a special relationship is intact will happen no matter who the prime minister is. Uh, the fact that they will support further expansion of the Abraham Accords, you know, those things can all go ahead. I wonder if uh, the, the president of the United States will have an influence on the upcoming Israeli election. You know, it's, it's happened in the past that American presidents have had a, a role when it's come to an Israeli election. Some call it interference, some call it a role, some call it other things, but but I, it's too early, I think, now to, for, you know, when he gets there, uh, the government will just be dissolved. It'd be, it's very early in the process. I think if it was a week before an election, it could have, but what it does do gives Lapid the opportunity to look prime ministerial, to be, show that he can fill that void, and in that regard, yes, it, it can make a difference. Did you see this news analysis? I think it was in the New York Times that President Trump is to blame for the current status in terms of negotiations with Iran because he so abruptly left the Iran deal that now it leaves America in a very difficult position to diplomatically deal with the uh, with the Iranians. Uh, well, I mean, that accusation was made the day we pulled out of the JCPOA. I don't think that the evidence is there is that Iran was not using all of the time to to advance its its facilities, its capacities. You see that they've cut off the IEA. It's not because we pulled out of the 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 deal. If they wanted us to be in the deal, they would do it. We'd be doing the exact opposite right. in order to get us back. And the Russians, by the way, are are playing a very critical role in determining Iran's positions. And I'm saying it carefully in determining Iran's positions, both in Vienna, where they speak for them, and in Tehran itself. And they they have an interest in not seeing a deal, just as they might have an interest in the deal because they can export and they bypass the sanctions by sending uh, goods and, and oil through uh, Iran. Uh, but also, by as long as there, there's no deal, it means that the price of oil will continue to stay high uh, because Iran production will be off the market and Russia's is obviously being sanctioned as well. 
so the the you know it's very easy for people to say you know if you if you hadn't pulled out it would have been different. There are people who say there should be a deal, but it's got to be a better deal. We see the sunset clauses, meaning they are running out, that they are uh, will be able to move towards full. Um, uh, enrichment very soon, and, and they're increasing their stockpiles. They did not destroy the facilities they said they destroyed. They're taking away the cameras from from the facility, so we, we, the IEA doesn't even have a, an idea anymore. And they have them underground. For those underground, the ponds is all underground. And we know that they are, are moving ahead on all the fronts, including developing missiles and drones and other capacities. So, you know, I think that's too simplistic for people. Well, if Washington wanted a deal today, they could have it in 10 minutes. If they wanted a deal, they'd go make a deal. I mean, you know, it couldn't be any. Well, but that deal, that would entail, number one, taking the IRGC off the Iran Revolutionary Guard off the terrorism list, which no party in in, in Washington agrees to. They, uh, they would have to do other things, including lifting sanctions and seeing tens of billions of dollars flow again to Iran, and when we know where that money is right. going to end up. Right, my point so being they really don't want to they deal. make a deal? Yeah, you could make a deal if we sell out all of our interests and some. And even with that, you see that Iran has been delaying. They could have had a deal. It wouldn't have been everything they wanted, but they, they, they are playing a game, and they're, they're, they're using the leverage right now. They have, because the price of oil is high, they have more income. The people suffer. Half the country in drought, the high unemployment, the um, currency wor- worthless. But the Supreme Leader's House and the IRGC and those guys who control 40% of the economy are living well. If there was one country or one body that I would feel did not need a definition of anti-Semitism, it's the Knesset. Yet the Knesset has adopted the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism. Why is that significant? It's very significant because Israel was elected to be the chair of the IHRA this week, so it would look a little strange if the country that's chairing it didn't adopt it, and some 30 other countries have adopted it already, and more will, and it is a very important tool in the war against Jew hatred because if you can't define it, you can't fight it, and here you have a specific definition, and more importantly, the examples that accompany it, which includes anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism, etc., and people should read it. Many states have adopted it, universities have adopted it. It's become a universal standard, even if it's not implemented by many of them, but at least it's a recognition of it. And what do you think of the Simon Wiesenthal Center representatives uh, presenting a facsimile of the letter from Hitler back from 1919, I believe it was, espousing the destruction of the Jewish people by a government of strength to the Pope this week? you find that unusual or you found it significant? Look, I, there were a couple of things that happened. You know, the Vatican is going to put online and make available the documents from, uh, Pope, uh, from the wartime popes, um, including appeals to the Pope that went unanswered, uh, you know, they're beginning to confront, even if in minimal ways we don't, it, these are redacted files, uh, so we're not seeing everything, and it does show the, the deliberate policy of restraint from, and not confronting uh, Hitler over it because they were supposedly protecting the church's interests, whatever, it does not look good, and um, I think uh, presenting the letters symbolic in, in sending a message that, look, there is a history here, and, we, and and you have to confront history. You have to be willing to be honest about history if you want to make it different in the future. I hear that. I don't know why it seemed to, it struck me as a bit strange, but maybe just the, uh, maybe I looked at it as if it was an accusatorial 
type move against the Vatican. I'm sure there are people in the Vatican who who, who, who took it that, that way. way. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not the only one, I guess. <laughs> um, there are two of you, <laughs> at least. Uh, <laughs> holiday weekend next week. Do we convene on Friday or not? It's up to you. Well, we'll discuss it during the week. There you go. <laughs> All right. I'm willing. I'm always available for you. But And there are a lot of important things that, that are coming. By the way, you know that the U.S. courts ruled that the PA owes $37 million to the victims of, of terror um, that, they're, that they're supposed to pay. It's very hard to collect on those things. Yeah, that's why it doesn't uh, seem to make a difference, right? But at the same time, the Iranian courts hit the U.S. with a $4 billion judgment, so that's not getting paid either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but look at the announcement by Hania and Nasrallah meeting in Beirut about the axis of resistance. In, in, uh, just, just, the term, just the term is chilling, frankly. Right, and the fact that the level of cooperation between Hamas and, and Hezbollah, which, remember, I've talked about for more than a year, well, much more than a year, because we saw the signs, and it was, it's, a, it's a creeping increase in involvement, and that they're creating their own independent presence in Lebanon, which is in total collapse, the political situation, everything, it's just uh, totally um, uh, disastrous in all parts, and you see breakaway groups, et cetera. And I met with a leader of the Lebanon parliament the other day and uh, when I was in Morocco, and, and it, was, um, it was chilling to hear his account. And he's anti-Hezbollah, but they're very courageous in, in the process that they're willing to stand up and speak up. But yeah. the conditions there are, are horrific. As you continue to point out, maybe somebody of uh, <laughs> maybe somebody in the United States government will take note of that. Well, uh, they did, by the way, change the position on the coverage regime, uh, rig, and uh, saying that they they to to uh, um, they dismissed their claim. Lebanon dismissed their own claim uh, for that territorial waters, which may mean that with the talks between Lebanon and Israel can move forward. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, all right, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again yeah, next week. Have a great Shabbos, everybody. Be well. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. And I thank him very, very much. Rabbi Yudin coming up first. I think I saw a note from listener Sina, and you know how those take priority. Boker Toshi says, forgot to send this last night. Mazel tov to my niece Sarah Ortner of Vienna, Austria, celebrating a birthday today. Wow. Um, I remember exactly where I was when I found out I'd become an aunt. NCSY National Convention at the Pioneer Hotel. Your father had me paged. Your father had me paged. It was truly an exciting moment for me. Oh, my gosh. The young people listening can't even understand about being paged and what the Pioneer Hotel was all about. Uh, wishing you a very happy birthday. Many more in good health. 120 with much, much love from Ancina and Mazdav to my amazing granddaughter, Chaya Shandel Altman of Muncie on a graduation from a shift from Miriam last night. The graduation did the graduation that she did make it to, thank God. Mazdav to the Gansa Mishpacha. Chayashenda, we'll know you're a shining star. We can't wait to see what the future holds in store for you as you begin this next chapter of your life. Wishing you Mazel Bracha, Natslacha, now and always. And of course, I love you to the moon and back. And then some with tons of love from Bubby, from Bubs rather. And we know her, of course, as listener Sina, who apparently has left the Sunshine State temporarily and is now um, being seen in the New York area. So if you see listener Sina and you think, hey, I can't be, she's supposed to be in Florida. Florida. No, it might actually be her. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. 
Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parsha Shlach. According to the Chinuch, Parsha Shlach contains three mitzvos, two positive and one restriction. Parsha Shlach is the annual ouch. The annual ouch meaning, oy, 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 how could they do it? Especially the generation that experienced Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. They experienced the Makos in Egypt. They experienced the uh, Kriyas Yamsov. They experienced Matan Torah. And now, after Hashem said to Moshe at the burning bush that I'm going to bring you to a land, Zavas Cholov Udvash, flowing with milk and honey, and now to reject it, to use the words of Dabar HaMelech in Tillim, Kuvav Vayim Asu Be'eretz Chemda, ouch. It's not simply they rejected, that's a nice word. There's no nice way to translate the word Vayim Asu. It means they were disgusted with the good land. How might we explain this? So, I'd like to share with you an interesting idea I saw in the Sefer, Lemude Nisan, by the late Rav Nissen Alpert, Zechrona Levracha, who was a Talmud Muvak of Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechat Sadik Levracha, and I was privileged to know Rav Alpert, and he says very sharply, based upon the parish of the Nitziv. The Nitziv has, as part of his introduction to the book of Bamidbar and throughout the following idea. Why is the Sefer called Sefer HaPikudim, the book of counting? Yes, the book begins with counting, the book ends with counting, but what is there about this counting? And he says very sharply that the counting represents a transition. The beginning of the Sefer, when the Jewish people are counted at the beginning of the second year after they left Egypt, the level, mindset, and practical condition of the Jewish people is all lamala menateva. It's all supernatural. Namely, the food is coming down from heaven. There's a rolling stone which is accompanying them in the merit of Miriam. You have air conditioning by day and heat by night in the merit of Aaron Cohen. Their clothing is growing with them, is being pressed at nighttime. Their shoes are growing with them. They're living in a utopian uh, society. And at the end of the Sefer, they have already about to enter Eretz Yisrael, and they fought against the giants of Sihon and Og in a semi-natural way, meaning they took arms and fought against the enemy, and they won. So there is the transition between the first part of the book and the second part of the book from the coming into a more natural state as they are about to enter the land of Israel. Now what brought about this transition? 
he says very sharply that you can see with the beginning of Parsha Shlach. But in order to appreciate the beginning of Parsha Shlach, whereby they uh, ask uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, Moshe first, that we should be able to send spies into Eretz Yisrael. So if you go back to last week's Parsha of Baloscha and you go to the two inverted nuns which uh, surround Vayibin Soa and Venucho Yomar and the Gemara teaches us in Shabbos 115 that these psukim are bounded by the nuns because they're out of place and it's there to separate the one Pur'anos from another. What are these Pur'anos? These Pur'anos, these wrongdoings are that as soon as they step out of line, they are zapped by Hashem. Because you're living in an environment which is supernatural, then you can't step out of line at all. And so, that's the first thing they did wrong. They ran away from Sinai. They should have left with a kretz. But that in of itself is considered a significant punishment or wrongdoing on their part. And immediately thereafter, what do we find? The people complain. And as soon as they complain once again, there's a fire that comes out of Shemayim. And when they complain further about the diet, so once again, they get the slav, and the slav unfortunately has a deadly effect upon the people. There is a supernatural existence which has with it its immediate consequence. Therefore, they come to Moshe and they say, as we find in the fifth book of the Torah, that they initiated and they said, let us send spies. Why? Because we want to do this we want to do this in a natural way. Ah, what does that mean? We want to go and see the enemy, the nations that we are to conquer. We want to know, are they numerous? Are they not? Uh, what is the situation, literally, which is happening in the land? Tell me about, we need to know the cities. We need to know, the. Um, are they fortified? Are there armies big, small, etc. They are looking to do this in a natural way. And so, when one does it in a natural way, one unfortunately does not take into account the secret weapon that B'nai Yisrael have. Now the truth of the matter is, if one takes a look at chapter 9, of Sefer Devarim. In chapter 9 of Sefer Devarim, you find the following very interesting idea. Moshe, at the beginning of chapter 9, tells the Jewish people exactly what the spies came back with when they returned to the people. Says Moshe, Shema Yisrael, listen here, Israel. You are crossing today the Jordan. 
Lavola Reshes Goyim, to come and dispossess nations. Gedolim Vaatsumim Mimeka, that are large, greater than you, and stronger than you. Orim Gedolos Uvtsuros Bashamayim. Again, what does Moshe say? You're going to find cities that are large and fortified, literally, up to the heavens. And Moshe continues, chapter 9, verse 2, I'm Godol Voram. You're going to find a great people and strong people, B'nai Anokim, literally, sons of giants. Asher that you know, and you've heard, me is save who can stand Lifnei B'nai Anok. So this is exactly what the spies have said. We can't do it. They're too strong for us. Okay? The one difference between what the spies said and what Moshe says is chapter 9, Pasuk 3. This they did not realize. Says Moshe, You shall know today with absolute surety that Hashem your God, who He, capital H, He is the one who is going to literally cross the Jordan before you. He is the all-consuming fire. Who Yashmidim, capital H, He will destroy them. Who He will humble them and defeat them before you. And you will conquer them. You will destroy them quickly. The very powerful idea that the Torah teaching us is the following. They wanted to live what we can call a life of Teva. A life in a more natural way. But they forgot one thing. That even in a life of Teva, the Jew always has to know that God is with him. And that is the game changer all the time. So, this is what Kolev is, has the people. The Torah says that as soon as the Meraglim finish their report, the Torah tells us Ayahas Kolev that Kolev has the ability to um, have a different perspective on the situation and what does he do? He quiets the people and he says come on, we are able to do it why? Because we have that quote unquote secret weapon that they don't have and I, namely, HaKadosh Baruch Hu on our side. And I want to show you something very, very interesting. The end of the parsha, the very end, has the last paragraph of the Shema, is the last paragraph of Parshas Shlach. And look at the last verse in the parsha, one that we are familiar with all the time, because this is the last Pasuk that we say every day, morning and night. Ani Hashem Elokeichem. I am your God. This is the very end of Parshas Shlach. The very end of the Shema Yisrael. Ani Hashem Elokeichem. I am your God. 
who took you out of the land of Egypt. To be your God. How many extra words in the Torah, my friends? And you're going to tell me, rightly so, none. Then why does the verse end again, I am your God. What do you mean, I am your God? The Pasuk begins, I am your God. What is the Torah adding, what is Hashem adding, when he says, the second time? Rav Schwab, in his commentary on Chumash and on the Siddur, says beautifully the following idea. Ani Hashem Elokeichem the first time. When? How? Asher Mitzrayim. When I took you out of Egypt. In a supernatural way. Meaning, there are times that you will see Hashem in a supernatural way. And then there are times when unfortunately we don't see Hashem in that supernatural way. But the Torah is teaching us that even when it looks like Olam Kimen Hogu Noheg, it looks as if the world is just going on what you might call Chas Shalom, automatic pilot. The world is going. Don't think for for a second that he, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, is not involved in the world. He is there. I ask you, look at Eretz Yisrael today and you're going to tell me this is natural oh my goodness wipe your glasses look again look what we and when I say we it's we together just like when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says in the very beginning Adam, let us make man and it means he together with man we will bring about the perfection of the human being so too look at Eretz Israel today and it's not just in contrast to the Arabs and the way they live look at the incredible Sayato Dishmaya the incredible divine intervention the divine involvement within our community and this has to give us so much chiyos so much inspiration that unfortunately with all the craziness immorality that surrounds us Ani Hashem Elokeichem as HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed himself when he took us out of Mitzrayim we don't make the mistake that the Miraglim thought, namely, that in the realm of natural, it's only that. For the Jew, he is always there. And Teva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is always with us, and this gives us our faith, this gives us our strong belief that as our history has shown it, so too this is paving the way for our special destiny. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Michael is the fate of all mankind. No one can avoid the bustle and the grind. Rushing to meetings, closing the deal. On the phone, on the road, buying, selling, spinning wheels. It's easy to lose balance, chasing money and success. But there's a special treasure with which we have been blessed. And as each day passes, joy fills the air. Waiting for the moment to stand up and declare. Baruch Hashem, it's Yeah. 
a.m. With a tip of the hat to our friends at Baron Herzog, Kedem, uh, Baruch Hashem at Shabbos from Journeys Volume Number 5. And today is the art site of Yassel Rosenblatt. And of course, as we mentioned earlier in the week, a significant date for many, including our good friend Yoichi Herzog, Vice President at Kedem. And um, it was great having Cantor Benny on earlier in the week to talk about the uh, event that happened last night. And of course... Yesler Rosenblatt in general. JM in the AM, 8-11 is candle lighting time in New York. Lots of synagogues begin earlier this time of year. Plus, make sure you know when things start where you are around the world. 8-11 is, um, is candle lighting here in the New York area on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach, Shlach outside of Israel. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday, so keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting into the serious summer months. Tammuz is right around the corner. Getting into the serious summer months, that's for sure. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A and H. Abel's and Iman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Now, as I've been mentioning, we're in serious grilling season now. Serious grilling season. I mean, this Sunday, I can only imagine how many people are going to be grilling up a storm. And remember what I keep reminding everybody about. There are two Sundays that we lose this summer because Shavas Ratamas and Tisha B'Av. So, oh, and, and the truth is, to an extent, three Sundays because uh, I guess Rosh Chodesh Av will be before that first Sunday of the nine days, right? Yeah. So everybody out there, get your grilling in in earnest. Make sure you have plenty of A&H hot dogs. And I mean plenty in the freezer, in the fridge, so you can uh, survive this summer with massive grilling sessions. And try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. More coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning edition of JM in the AM. There are times when we are forced to go above and beyond to get involved for our communities, our families, and our future. If you see what's happening in New York, you know these are those times. New York needs leadership that puts public safety and common sense policies at the forefront. We are fortunate to have that leader and Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz. In the New York State Assembly, he has fought for middle-class tax cuts, been an advocate for safe neighborhoods, and secured funding for our communities and nonprofits. Assemblyman Dinowitz has also been an outspoken voice against the rising anti-Semitic rhetoric in our politics. That's why it's crucial that our community comes out to vote for Assemblyman Dinowitz this election day. His socialist opponent has promised to defund the police, wants to raise taxes, and has aligned with anti-Semitic movements. This June 28th, let's ensure our community votes as one voice. We can't afford any less. Vote Jeffrey Dinowitz for the New York State Assembly. Paid for and authorized by Common Sense New Yorkers. Jeff Leb, Treasurer. Communication was not expressly authorized or requested by any candidate or by any candidate's political committee or any of its agents. And I do remind everybody in New York State that the entire assembly is up for grabs in primaries this coming Tuesday. Governor, <coughs> excuse me, governor primaries is coming Tuesday. And then on the 23rd of August, that's when we get to the state Senate. And that's when we get to the uh, members of the United States House of representatives so keep in mind this tuesday the entire assembly plus governor in primary elections in new york state make sure you take advantage of election day and make our community's voice heard 
uh, this coming Tuesday. Our friends at Artscroll and Artscroll.com remind you that uh, this coming Thursday, this coming Thursday, Zeresh Shimshon Aishas Chayel will be our focus, and Rabbi Nachman Seltzer joins us. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, check out the brand new book, Zeresh Shimshon Aishas Chayel. Check out the brand new book by Yisrael Besser, Exalted Moments, Welcoming Shabbos. They're both spectacular. Go to Artscroll.com. You know the rule, always use promo code radio. Go to Artscroll.com and all of their 3,000 titles, always use promo code radio. That's how you guarantee yourself a major your discount and free shipping on any amount simple as that go to artscroll.com follow the rule only use promo code radio or i should say always use promo code radio monday it's barry weber time here at jm name he'll be with us in the eight o'clock hour we'll talk about the brand new album barry weber joining us live via telephone on monday here at jm and am looking forward to that it should be a very interesting conversation after all he's got some uh, amazing music so we'll talk about uh, that and more with Barry Weber this coming Monday right here at JM in the AM. Shalshelis, volume number four. Oh, 
There we go. Whoa. There we go. Brand new from Shell Shellis, volume number four here at JM in the AM. Shell, excuse me. Brand new from Shell Shellis, Jr., volume number four here at JM in the AM. Pretty amazing, huh? Shell Shellis, Jr., volume number four. Got to do a new music alert with you. It's like Rosenthal about that. Hopefully he'll join us. JM in the AM, great weekend programming, as you know. of Rummy with uh, Rami Eliezer's Wickler tomorrow night, starting at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time with Saturday Night Seagull, or after Shabbos, I should say, more accurately. <laughs> it wouldn't be 9 o'clock, but it'll be after Shabbos. Um, 7 a.m. Eastern time, it's uh, Matis on Sunday morning with JM Sunday. Incredible. He's doing that show live for us every single Sunday morning. Thank you, thank you, Matis. Thank you, thank you. Um... What else I want to mention? All day long, you'll hear great and amazing programming brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our Erev Shabbos music mix before that, Mark Zamek at 10 a.m. with the Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem with an emphasis on the yard site of Yossela Rosenblatt that's taking place today, the 89th yard site. And again, I thank Rabbi Benny for joining us uh, earlier in the week on that. Uh, we note with sadness the passing of Rabbi Chaim Wasserman, longtime rabbi of the Young Israel Pesay Clifton, and to his family, with whom we've gotten so close with so many family members over the years, to his family, to his uh, students, to his uh, congregants. Our condolences from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, from what I'm told, the Leviah, the funeral took place already this afternoon in Israel. And um, I mentioned earlier that Rabbi Wasserman, Rabbi Chaim Wasserman, was among the few community leaders that from the beginning of our efforts at JM and the AM was so encouraging to us, so encouraging, had such a a notion that what we were doing was going to be a, a game changer. And he was right. And I can't thank him enough. And we remember him fondly here at JM and the AM. More coming up. It's Misha Gammerman at JM and the AM. Malachi, 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 Malachi,
Shalom Aleichem. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 8.11 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. A lot of synagogues begin early. Plus, make sure you know when things, are, when things start where you are around the globe, as we have so many listeners in so many different states and countries who are tuned in. Uh, don't forget, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is going to be a Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is going to be Wednesday and Thursday. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week and a great day here at JMM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Much appreciated, to say the least. Plenty coming up. Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all through the day. Make sure to be tuned in for that. Saturday night, Sigal with Avrami and Elias' Wickler tomorrow night. And, of course, Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis beginning at 7 a.m. Barry Weber, our guest on Monday morning with a new music alert Monday here at JM the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.